He was the guy from Rust and Bone, uh, that really uh, popular foreign film with Marion Cotillard. Directed by Angelina Jolie. No. These choices, it's not like he's literally, he opened up a fridge and there was a, a jar marked breast milk and a jar marked clean, clear water. And he was like, oh, I think I'll take some of this. For someone who judges <laughs> boredom in films by looking at your watch, I looked at my watch. So No way. My eyes were just like glued to the screen yeah, the entire I time. I looked at my watch um, six times that's... during Jupiter Ascending. So just to, to give you clarity, it wasn't that bad. That movie, I, that movie is horrible, by the I way. Just, I'm so I'm so juvenile in my gestures. I just like the whole shoot bang, and I like the explosions, and hey, I like the there's I like, there's nothing I like wrong the part. With that. Thank God your gestures we're, translate we're, on podcast. I was gonna say nobody understands what you're talking. Yeah, about Nobody right knows now. what the I'm fuck doing, you're doing. I'm doing like a kid being like pachoo, 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 and it's like Mad Max just like going up on that pole and just like seeing all the explosions. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, there is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino? People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. Let's see if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain. Sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. What happened? Did your your balls drop off? Hey guys, welcome into episode 14 of Film Tank. I am your host, Alex Diekman, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, today's episode, the usual guys here, including Kenny Marcellus. Yo! Yo, indeed. What's up? Caught me off guard, because we're Did sitting I? in different seats. I, I... Yeah, we decided to have a Chinese fire drill before the episode, and <laughs> we all ended up at where we are now, so... Buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Nick Cheney over there, by the way. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> That's my car impression. Is it? Yep. It's like the third episode you've done a car impression. So I think good. it's only the second. Oh, okay. So don't lie to the audience. What, what made it, though, was you're like, sitting in your, your face. You kind of look like a kid sitting in one of those... One of those cars that moves up and down at the grocery store that they had back in the late 90s? Oh, they still have them. I, I seek them out across the country. I've only been kicked out of five supermarkets. Okay. For unrelated reasons. Oh, okay. Masturbating in the bathroom again? No, that's disgusting. I just get a little too handy with the fruit. The banana? 
We know, I, we know you're a big fan of the banana. Yeah, this is uh, slowly devolving into <laughs> quite an awkward conversation. Well, on the last episode, before we were talking about um, the film that we talked about in the last episode, Anchorman. which is Anchorman, yes. you <laughs> whatever went, film that was, you went on a like five minute rant about how much you hate bananas. Well, you guys were the one that brought up fruit, and then one <laughs> one of you brought up bananas, and so I felt that you guys needed to hear my stance on this atrocity uh, known to humankind, which is the banana. Tucson, okay. what the fuck is going on? What I don't. What, I don't know. What just happened here? I don't know. I'm Tucson, by the way. I didn't get introduced, but hi. Hi, Tucson. Hi. <laughs> We're so glad you can make it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, You are welcome, sir. So I did uh, mention we were going to talk about Mad Max, but first, let's talk about uh, other movies that we watched this week as Tucson <laughs> is laughing in the corner. <laughs> Nick's making me laugh. I'm sorry. Okay, go. Oh my God, I didn't what even is say this, anything. first grade? No, I'm what? sorry. Uh, let's I start passed with... him a note that said, check yes or no. What was the question? <laughs> was I'll never tell. No question. It was check yes or no. Okay. So, Kenny, uh, did you uh, check anything out this week other than Mad Max? Um, I did, actually, now okay. that I'm thinking about it. I fucking live-tweeted it on our account. Oh, so. yes, you did. Yes, I noticed that. I watched Sharknado lost, for the first time. We actually and, lost three and, followers. Yeah, I, I was going to say. That's good. Well, yeah, I was going to say to... To anybody who saw that that happens to be following us, either you're welcome or I apologize. <laughs> and clearly it's more of an I apologize. <laughs> I, you know, I woke up that morning and I never expected to ever find Have myself. 84 tweets on Sharknado on right. account. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I woke up and I just didn't really have anything going on. And I ate breakfast and I turned on Netflix and I was like, oh, Sharknado. I think I've reached the point of needing to watch this can't push it off the rest of my life and so i i just pressed play and uh yeah went with it and yeah you were sucked in so for uh anyone who didn't see all of your live tweets uh what were your oh, feelings on sharknado was man. it as bad as uh, everyone says it is? it is a train wreck but it's a train wreck that you can't look away from like it's 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 just I think you mean a boat wreck Oh, uh, not so much. Not not so much. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't follow the live tweets. <laughs> no, I, I think he was I, saying because there are, are boats in them, but there's really not that many. Oh, in, okay. in I would assume that there was more aquatic based uh, horror than uh, no. Locomotive. See, see the whole oh. the whole thing with Sharknado. That's right. the crazy part. Is that is crazy? This god awful <laughs> storm comes through and. The tornado has sucked all the sharks out of the water and has thrown them on the land. So uh. I feel like Sharknado, uh, if I'm saying it right, is uh, is one of those great ideas in cinema because I'm guessing what happened is somebody was watching Twister and said, what if it was a shark instead of a cow? Here's my only problem. So is the storm able to articulate the difference between sharks and all other sea life? Like, why dude, are all the lobsters Dude, the you land? cannot that's, even start to think <laughs> no, no, about that's a good point. any logic in this fucking movie. It's I mean, the entire storm. time that the storm is happening, it's perfectly sunny, but there's like a tornado throwing sharks around. Well, they it, did have Tara Reid as the main star in the uh, film, so... I, I mean, it was so bad that I cannot wait to watch 2 and 3. <laughs> I cannot wait. I've heard good uh, things about two. In the oh, sense yeah? that if you if you liked one for how bad it is, two is like giving you everything you could ever want from Dude, it. Dude, it's like the little engine that couldn't, and you just want to help it along. Well, so, so, so there is a train. <laughs> yes. We we also know that uh, the uh, third Sharknado movie, which is coming out later on this year, 
uh, is going to involve uh, Universal Studios Florida. So we know you'll be seeing that the first day. You probably can. Damn straight, I will. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was actually uh, a roller coaster in the first one oh. too. Oh. Yeah, they were in uh, Santa Monica, California, okay. and there's a little uh, boardwalk park out there, and it got destroyed. I eat that shit up in a movie. They know how to get to your heart. I wonder yep. if they use real sharks. <laughs> that I don't know. Couldn't tell you. So, I would suggest watching it. Yeah? Check it out. Okay. It, it is on Netflix, and it yep. probably will be for the foreseeable yep. future. So yep. if you want to be entertained. Until Netflix goes bankrupt. Well, probably not. Debbie Downer. Not this year, I would No, guess. I didn't mean that. Literally. I meant I can't imagine that they would have to fight for those rights. I know. I was going to say I'm I'm not that worried about that one. So, Toussaint, what about uh, you? I heard you had some interesting film viewing experiences this week, especially this weird five-day of viewing the same movie thing that you're doing. Okay, so I'm doing a challenge with my friend Rachel where we watch... Does it involve an ice bucket? No, it doesn't involve <laughs> do you an ice remember bucket. remember that shit from last year? I that actually do. I actually, yeah. actually participated in it. Did you really? He did. Yeah, he did, he so. nominated me, and I said, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Anytime. Okay, so I'm doing this uh, challenge with my friend Rachel where we watch a film that we've never seen before um, five times over the course of five days. But... Different films, but they're different films, right? No, yeah. but but you're watching the same film. I'm watching once a day, yes, for five days, yes. Right. And okay. she's watching a different film once a day for five days. Yes, she is watching um, Bong Hu Jo's uh, the host. He's yeah. the guy who directed uh, Snowpiercer. Right. So I am very envious of that. It's one of I my favorite movies. You just said she's watching yep. Blade yeah, Runner. What, she's you, deciding between those two. Anyway. So she doesn't even really. Every time you bring this challenge up, shut up. You change the rules somehow. <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like some pretty stiff rules Guess here. what? I already fulfilled my first step of the challenge because I watched Richard Linklater's 2011 film, Bernie, starring Jack Black, and it was awesome. Did you like it? I really did. Jack Black, I'm not used to seeing him in a uh, dramatic role, and he was just a very charming and very endearing character that was caught up in a really fucked up real life scenario yeah. if you guys like know what did the... he go to a weekend getaway and it didn't turn out well for him uh, <laughs> no weekend at birdie <laughs> no how did you feel about the way it used uh real life uh participants because they're interviewed right those those are the real people those are the real people who get interviewed at the, at the in beginning? between the yes holy that, shit. those are the actual people that were that knew the real people i've had when it goes to the uh, mm-hmm. Main timeline. That's the film version. Okay, that's that's really cool because I didn't know that. I thought those were just like standing. Well, games. now when you watch it on day two, mm-hmm. you can have that in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like a whole new movie. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I would definitely recommend it. I didn't even. I love Richard Richard Linklater. Um, all of his films. I just didn't know about this one. And yeah, it's consistent. I was gonna say that film has kind of gotten pushed aside. Uh, he had Before Midnight come out. God, that was such a goddamn good movie. And then Boyhood coming out last year. Bernie's kind of like the forgotten stepchild at this point. Not only that, but it's also one of the stepping stones in the most recent uh, McConaughey's because Matthew McConaughey is in it, isn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and that is. was one of the first ones before he got on to, like True Detective and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, from apparently what I've heard from uh, the Cannes Film Festival, he is uh, his McConaughey's is going down because the film he's oh. in apparently got loudly booed. Yeah, but so did the Glorious Bastards. Con, oh, really? Yeah, Cotton is the most notorious for you cannot judge audience reaction hmm. whatsoever. Like, some of the, your favorite, and I don't, your, but like some of the most celebrated films get booed at uh, cons, and weird. some of the most hated get standing ovation. Like, there's really no judge for uh, for that whatsoever. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, wait a minute. What, 
I can't get past this. What's this challenge? What like what's the point of it? You're just gonna watch the, the same movie five days. The in point of it is learning more about the film that you wouldn't otherwise like seeing it from like one first time. How did you land on Bernie? Let's put it that way. How did I land I'm, on I'm Bernie? I'm interested in how you ended up on Bernie. I was just like going for my Netflix queue, and I was asking her. I was like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this movie called Bernie?" He's like, "I love Bernie." I was like, "Okay, I'll watch that one." Okay, so <laughs> she there put was, a lot of thought. In there this. wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any thought put in. No, it. I didn't even really know about about Bernie aside from it stars Jack Black, and I didn't even know it was directed by Richard Linklater. So that was a nice surprise. Yeah, it's one of his little side projects, like Bad News Bears and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So what happens if you pick a movie that just fucking blows? Are you just stuck with it? Yeah, you could have ended up watching gotta, Five Days of Rain of Fire or some shit like gotta, that. Got to got to plow through it. Got to do it. Hmm. You are it. committed. We'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I got lucky. Well, good luck with the rest of your week of watching Bernie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Let us know on the next episode uh, yeah. how no. your how how it uh, you know how it traveled from day I, to day. I, I won't. I won't. I'll totally oh. keep that in the background. Oh, okay. okay. Well, then. thank you for. I guess I'll just go fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> What did you watch, Nick? Other than yeah, smartass. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what did you watch this week, Nick? I I only I rewatched two movies. Um, one movie I rewatched was Lost in Translation <gasps> by Sofia Coppola. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. It's a great movie. Bill Murray's um, awesome. I, haven't... I, I disagree with you guys. I think it's an, a good movie. It Not opens great. with a side shot of Scarlett Johansson's butt. <laughs> yes, movie now. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but that movie, I haven't seen it in quite. A few years, uh, and yet it's always been one that I uh, call like one of my favorites. And so I realized the other day when I was looking at my letterbox list uh, of my all-time favorite movies that I pretty much update religiously, uh, like once a week, because I get paranoid about what I leave off and whatever. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw you uh, took Casino off that list recently. So yes, that was... but I also haven't seen that in quite a few years. So therefore, once I rewatch it, like I did rewatch this one, it it will go right back on it, possibly or possibly not. Better. We'll see. Um, but uh, this was one of those that, uh, yeah, I rewatched it, and I was reminded again why I once loved it. And it's such an understated film. I, I, I love the two central performances between Murray and Johansson. Who which, plays her husband? Giovanna Rip, Giovanna Giovanni Ribsy. Okay, I remember um, it was someone that I've heard of. Yeah, and it's especially interesting to rewatch when you know that it's Spike Jones, not Spike Jones. It's Sophia's Coppola's version of the famous Spike Jones Sophia Coppola relationship, hmm. uh, because they were uh, an item. And if if you compare this movie to something like her, they have very interesting parallels. As you know, because one is from each of their point of view. Um, I didn't even know that. I yeah. mean, you just blew my mind that they were. No, actually, yeah. You know. Like, when you look at the, like, um, Lost in Translation, the, I'm not going to say that he's based on him, and per se, in the we're way. We're talking that, about Giovanni Ribisi's yeah, character. But right? you can obviously tell that he, that comes from some kind of place of authenticity, of like. At least that was a side of Spike Jones that yeah. she probably was involved with. So it was like a Taylor Swift lyric. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, th- yes. But they both did it because he would do it uh, years later. Joaquin's with the movie, wife, her. like or former wife, in in her is based off of Sofia Coppola. Yeah. Well, actually, I would think more possibly it could have been also in some Samantha too. Just as far as because if we know something about that movie, uh, they don't necessarily end up together. Mm. Uh, but I digress. Um, 
lost in translation itself, though, even without any real-world context. It's just a beautiful film. I love the fact that it's shot on location in Tokyo. It's uh, some of the best uh, shot on location in that area, which is not that hard to do, considering it is such a beautiful place, but still, there are some great scenes when she's driving in the, when she's, like, in the backseat of the taxi, and just the lights are just kind of coming off the windows, and little things like that. And I, I love the, uh, I love the film itself does not push its comedy too hard because it's really not a quote-unquote comedy and yet there are moments that crack me up like when um, like Bill Murray's just doing physical comedy on a treadmill or a few other stuff like when they when they have Anna Ferris's character basically say anything because her whole existence really is just to be kind of like a bimbo that yeah. Scarlett Johansson can put down and it's entertaining uh, but also the, the flip side of that is that the drama is really not pushed that much either because they never really in a good way I would say dissect the relationship between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson in a way that most other films would have because they don't try to lay it out all on the table what each other means to them. You can pretty much figure that out when you just watch the movie and read between the lines, but they don't kind of say one way or the other whether uh, either party is thinking this as a paternal relationship or as a romantic one. I think it kind of blurs the line between those two factions that I don't know. Yeah. Lolita. (laughs) Yeah, and... um, but there's just something so, I don't know, heartwarming about it. And, uh, yeah, rewatching it just made me fall all over again in love with it. And I think it's fantastic. Very good. Yeah, I watched that about a year ago. And, uh, again, I thought it was, it was all right. I'm not a huge fan. I, I know a lot of people really love the relationship between them, which obviously you do. Where I more, the thing I take out of it is I enjoy watching Bill Murray's character the entire time. So uh, Make it Suntory time. Yes. What? That's a line he has to do in the whiskey commercial. Oh, yeah, commercial. that's right. Yeah. I, I, again, I've seen it three times in my life, so sorry. I'm not like a pro on well, that. Well, maybe when you get to the fourth time, you'll understand what we're talking about. Oh, well, thanks for that. No, so you said you will watch something else this week, too? Yeah, I rewatched. I won't talk too much about it because I feel like we've talked about it quite a bit. But I did rewatch Interstellar for the first time Ooh. since uh, since I saw it in the theaters. And it's, it's, it's one of those catch-22s where the things that didn't work for me worked even less. But ah. the things that did work for me the first time around worked even more. I was like the eraser board. <laughs> yeah, that eraser board. That's just great. Just he just flips it over. It's like, oh, we're back in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I I loved the central. I actually leaving the second time watching it. I loved the central relationship between uh, McConaughey and uh, Jessica Chastain. Like that whole father daughter relationship oh, okay. really worked for me this time around um, in a way that it I didn't quite. Uh, respond to the first time I saw it. So because that is the emotional through line of the movie, I would say overall the movie got better on my second viewing because I was able to pretty much uh, get on board with the central uh, relationship. However, having said that, the science, the whole theoretical science stuff, especially toward the end, started to wear on me because it just... It, it gets so ridiculous, and once again, I have problems with the Tesseract scene when McConaughey is shouting everything that he's thinking, which is also what the script is thinking, like when he's going, it's about love, and he, you know, all that kind of stuff just really grated on me even more the, the second love time Love is the around. one unending force in the universe. Well, there yeah. was also that really weird part, which is a pretty main part of the story, where like all the... Uh the coordinates she needs to complete this equation are sent somehow via Morse code to her watch, which she is able to figure out almost immediately right after she gets it, which... (sighs) Well, because she was bound by love, Alex. 
So, right. yeah, no, I, which I make it a joke <laughs> because that, that is how ridiculous that finale is. And the, the only thing that saves the finale as far as, like, I don't, like, want to turn it off is because I do think it's visually spectacular. I love the design of the Tesseract and when he's going. I love that it's this weird hybrid of, like, using computer, you know, CGI to... I would say articulate something that actually looks pretty physical and like realistic, mm-hmm. not realistic in any sense that we can prove, but in a way that didn't look like, Oh, now he's just in a white room and he's walking around. Like it was just weirdly acrobatic. And I don't know. It just, it really works for me on a visual sense, which is why if Matthew McConaughey wasn't shouting off the script's themes, I would totally <laughs> dig it. But because it does get, does get so blunt and uh, I'm just not a big fan of that. But overall I did like it more the second time around, but I wouldn't say I in any way love it but it's definitely one i will be revisiting unlike another christopher nolan film where i would say for me like inception kind of i didn't like as much the second time and the third time around Mm -hmm. this is the kind of film where i feel like i want to revisit it and because it is so long and i do think there's a lot going on and see how i feel on a third time and whatnot so that's the other one i uh, the other movie i rewatched okay i still have yet to uh have my second viewing of interstellar same here same here and i love that movie yeah, at least uh, first time I saw you it. gave it a five out of five, as yeah. I recall. So. I loved it. Boom! Really? Um, I had almost the same exact reaction I had to the Avengers: Age of Ultron when we went and saw it in the theater, where I was, I was like mildly disappointed with it. So, Again. but you didn't like hate it. Like, no, you, you, I gave you it a three it. and a half out of five. Yeah. Thought it was all right. Uh, I thought it, there was some good stuff about it, but it did not deliver what I wanted it to. Put it that way. Uh, so for me, uh, in terms of things I saw this week, my wife and I uh, made the trip to uh, one of these smaller theaters in the area to see a uh, sort of art housey movie called Far From the Matting Crowd, mm. uh, which is uh, directed by Thomas Wittenberg. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, you're probably right around with everybody else. The only other film he's done that's somewhat known is called The Hunt, which came out in 2012. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. So, um, but he's a foreign film director who's not really known in the United States, and this is not a major really released film. Uh, it is a the second uh, adaptation from uh, this book, which was written by uh, Thomas Hardy, uh, not Tom Hardy, um, but a long time ago. <laughs> wow, because, he's talented. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he wrote this book in the 1800s and just nailed it. Um, but anyways, the uh, the first was done in uh, 1967 with... Uh, Julie Christie, Peter Finch, and Terrence Stamp. So it was a very interesting cast. Uh, this cast uh, consisted of Carrie Mulligan, Matthias Schoenwurz. That's how you say his name. He was the guy from Rust and Bone, uh, that really uh, popular foreign film with Marion Cotillard. Directed by Angelina Jolie. No. No, wait, that's in the land of blood and honey. That's what <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. I knew it was like a something and something. Never mind. He was also, uh, he was the deranged ex-boyfriend in The Drop. Oh, okay. I remember yes. him. Yeah. Uh, also, Michael Sheen is a, a main character oh. in this film. Um, and it was uh, a story, an interesting story, about a 1800s independent woman who owns her own farm and has three ongoing relationships with three different men. Ah. Which is... It, it sounded more provocative to me when I heard the the story because I do, I knew nothing about the uh, story in uh, the novel or anything, and she doesn't like in a romantic relationship with all of them at the same time, but she is she knows them all at the same time. She's married to one, yeah. works with the other one, and the other one is trying to get with her. 
it's a very interesting film. Um, there were two things about it, and it, it's a well-shot film, a lovely score, uh, and I, I, it was overall a very enjoyable film, at least for me. I enjoyed a, a lot of it. Two things about this film that I was just like not blown away, but I was surprised for. One, there is a very surprising murder uh, late in the film, which it's it's not that it caught me off guard, but it was one of those things like you literally would have had no idea that that was coming when it did. And there was like no lead up to it, thinking that that was going to happen. All of a sudden, uh, somebody gets shot and you're just like, oh, well, I guess that person's dead now. All righty. <laughs> and it, it was bad. It was just very surprising. And it doesn't really sound like the kind of story where somebody would get murdered. No, it it, it isn't. But it was uh, it, it made sense. But at the same time, it was definitely very... It was definitely done for first-time viewing shock factor. And it was uh, interesting, put it that way. Um, I don't know if I, I like it or don't like it, but I was thrown off guard for sure. <laughs> the other uh, was the first scene of the film where, just to give you some context, so Matthias Schoenwerts plays this character named Gabrielle Oak, who owns his own farm at the beginning. He's a, he's a sheep farmer. So he has... <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Nick. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he has a hundred or 150 sheep or whatever. And this is his whole life is based on these sheep and having new sheep and whatever. So he has this dog named George, who is the one who rounds them. And this is the, you know, 1870s or something like that. Right. Different time. Um, so in the middle of the night, this deranged dog herds all these sheep off and they all run off a cliff. Oh. And you see them all running off a cliff and you see them all falling and dying to their death and you actually see them hitting the ground and dying and i just remember thinking holy shit and i was i was thinking about how, i don't want to see this movie <laughs> how upset peter would be if he killed the dog and i'm like he's got to kill that dog it's a dog's fault sure enough he comes out with a rifle and shoots the fucking dog right after i'm like fuck yeah Fuck that dog. <laughs> well, I guess we know where Jesus. you stand on animal abuse. Yeah. He had to real. sell his farm. His He had to go be a slave after that because his all his sheep got ruined because of his fucking deranged dog. I'm sure that was the dog's motive. <laughs> the dog had a motive. He deserved everything he had coming. His name was George, and he was a bad dog. It was so... I'll have to say... Map, it's George. It sounds like a... Fucked up M. Night Shyamalan movie. Where was it's, the twist? What was the twist to it, it? It's not. There wasn't a twist in it. It was not a bad M. Night Shyamalan film. Uh, the I will say the score did uh, sound, however, f- for some for some reason, it's funny you bring up M. Night Shyamalan. It sounded similar to the score in both Unbreakable and The Village. So oh. it does sound similar to those M. Night Shyamalan e films, but. Yeah, um, Far From the Manning Crowd, uh, you're probably not going to be able to see it until it comes out on DVD, but I would suggest seeing it. I think it was uh, worth watching, and uh, it was an interesting film. Fuck that dog. Yeah, he's dead, so fuck him. <laughs> I'm Jesus. guessing that he didn't actually kill the dog. I think the dog was spared. It was a, a fake dog. So um, We're going to talk about Mad Max Fury Road today. In this wasteland. I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. A man reduced to a single instinct. Survive. My world is fire and blood. 
Everything is dependent on oil. We are killing for gasoline. The world is almost out of water. 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 Now there's the water wars. Here they come again. Everybody's gone out of their mind. Out here, everything hurts. You want to get through this? Do as I say. Now pick up what you can and run. fourth Mad Max film, uh, first in 30 years, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, And the plot of the film takes place in a uh, desert landscape where humanity is broken, and uh, two rebels fight to restore order among uh, everybody, including Max, a man, and Furiosa, a woman who uh, looks to uh, get back towards what her childhood was like, or at least what she remembers from it. Film stars Tom Hardy as uh, Max, also Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, uh, and uh, Hugh Keys Byrne as Morton Joe, the main villain, uh, who is actually a villain from the first Mad Max film. And this uh, was, uh, again, directed by and written by George Miller, who directed uh, the first three Mad Max films. So since Kenny and Toussaint uh, were the ones who like the series the most and we're most excited about this mm-hmm. film and Kenny who ate four boxes of popcorn while we were in the theater mm-hmm. and had a box of popcorn to go home and was hanging it outside the car and throwing it up and down like a fucking crazy person. Um, <laughs> fucking Mad Max. Dude. I was going to say, you guys like just the, never left that world. I, I guess you did. <laughs> movie ended and I just stayed right there. Uh, <laughs> are you still in it now or not? No, I'm, no. I'm coming out of it now. Uh, <laughs> no. Shit. I, that's absolutely no reflection of how I feel about the movie. Okay. Well, let's start with you then and uh, kind of hear what you feel about it. And both you and Toussaint, if you can just kind of uh, give your two cents to how this, not necessarily compared to the original Mad Max films, but just how this film sort of... Built was... off the momentum of the previous one? Yes. That's, yeah. a, that's a good way of putting it, Toussaint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it built off the momentum... And then so like mm-hmm. it, it surpassed the previous three 
all together, like I, if you combined all three, this I, one was. I think was... that given when those those original films were created, then obviously a, a thirty year like span is going to obviously have improvements right. on like yeah, the fourth for sure. uh, iteration. But I think that this is probably the Mad Max that George Miller always intended, yeah. but he just didn't have like the resources or the actual like technology in order to pull it off. And I think that this has has no doubt like revitalized this right. franchise yeah and it, it was it, it was just so intense mm. so intense um but the impressive thing about it was the uh is as great as the cgi looked the stunts the actual physical stunts that were that were performed in it was by far like i feel like that's what made this movie so great was that it visually was was stunning uh, make no mistake, like the backdrops of like the the sandstorm and everything were amazing. Yet it was the simple things, like the the physical stunts that were performed. And and I actually heard somewhere there were like like three hundred physical stunts performed in this movie, yeah. and there were like a hundred and fifty stunt men. And uh, almost everything you see in the movie, when it comes to like the vehicular warfare and like people tumbling out is mm. pretty much all right. real. Like the, the CGI only came into effect when they had to literally create things that were beyond their control. Like the, like the, the backdrops and everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the world that they were in. Yeah. Um, or but, like when someone gets ran over by a car, that probably didn't happen. Right. But every time they jumped out of a car, or yeah. something, that's all real and everything. Yeah. Um, I, on a personal level, as much as I was anticipating this movie, not an ounce of disappointment. I haven't been that satisfied, and it's been a few days now since seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I, if anything, my thoughts have just ramped up about how I feel about it. I have not felt that awesome about a movie in the movie theater and had such a good time in the theater in forever, maybe ever. Like I don't know, I don't recall seeing a movie in the theater and enjoying it that much. It's very much a uh, an event film that if you are going to see this movie, you are doing a grave disservice to yourself for not having seen it in the theater Do because it's just not let it slip out yeah. of the theater without seeing it. A lot of people were disappointed by it only doing forty five million in the first weekend domestically. Well, people but need I, to shut the fuck up because this movie's great. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, the I, fact that it had a smaller. It didn't make as much as people thought. Maybe they shouldn't have had it come out the same weekend as fucking Pitch Perfect 2. I didn't even know about that shit. For an R-rated film that has a a very tight-knit following, I think... And it it, wasn't a sequel to a, uh, I would say, a popular franchise. Yeah, I think $45 domestically was totally fine. This is going to be the kind of movie that you should only judge it really by the second and third weekend because I feel like this is going to be the kind of movie that people are going to go see it, that everybody's going to talk to it. I went to an eye doctor appointment uh, this past weekend, and when I was there, I mentioned that I saw Mad Max, and my eye doctor literally stopped my exam and goes, how was it? I really want to see it. (laughs) So that's just how, as far as like people looking forward to go see it the word of mouth is this thing is gonna just keep snowballing it's just gonna keep making money because so many people it's got that kind of buzz going now where people are hearing other people talk about how awesome it was well and there aren't any like huge movies coming out like tomorrowland will do well because it's a disney movie but other than that until jurassic world comes out in the middle of june there's nothing huge coming out so there's nothing that's going to not necessarily 
take the attention away from it, but that's going to knock it out of the theater yeah. or out of some theaters or anything. And it's really one of the only major action films out right now. So like, there's not a lot of crossover, except for like Furious 7, which are still in some theaters, but that already obviously cleaned up and that needs no more justification. Right. This, this year's uh, cerebral sci-fi, like indie sci-fi film, like Ex Machina has already come out. So I'm looking forward to be surprised by something like coming out this summer, but other than Jurassic World, yeah, I can't really see what the what's the next tentpole movie coming out it absolutely stomped on avengers i mean avengers at this point to me is an afterthought well and i, I think that's another it was an afterthought thing. as soon as i came out of the theater uh, huh yeah it oh was, avengers yeah avengers yeah <laughs> i i kind of agree with you on that we yeah. talked about that at length in the avengers episode but check that out Right? Good old self-promotion that never hurt anybody. Um, That is something that I feel like is sort of doing Mad Max a disservice, that it's really not in any of the IMAX theaters right now, because Avengers is still in all of them, so that's too bad. Yeah. Because it's honestly a movie that way more would benefit by being in IMAX than the Avengers would. I do think it's starting to creep into them, because I did find a theater around us that finally uh, switched out Avengers for Mad Max this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I think it'll... But it's it's pretty unfortunate that it couldn't, you know, do that on this opening weekend, just because Marvel has a stranglehold on it. I'd yeah. love to see it in IMAX, just because I found myself watching it thinking, this looks like a fucking IMAX movie in a regular theater. It's just yep. breathtaking, some of the visuals and... The odds were just stacked against this film. Like, having been in development hell for, like, three decades, and, and George Miller, like, to his credit, he, he put in work on the side while he was working on this film. He did Babe, Pig in the City. He did Happy Feet 1 and 2. Which and are, oh, but yeah, those happened over, like, an 18-year span. I mean, he's been... Yeah, that was he had to make money on somehow. Side. Well, Look, and clearly, he was just warming up for this. Yeah, this was, <laughs> this was the thing that he oh, devoted for years of his life to. He applied a lot Babe, from those movies into this. Pig in the City uh, <laughs> might have uh, overtaken this movie as far as like, the most on screen deaths. Was that the one with, was that the one with <laughs> James Cromwell? No, Babe is the, the original. That the original Babe is right. that? Okay. Babe, Pig in the City is like the weird dark cousin of, uh, <laughs> okay. of, of George Miller would direct that. Yeah, of the Babe so franchise. So that, that's not the one with the ends with him saying, that'll, that'll do, do, Pig. No. That'll do. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, that was awkward? That that no, line I, has been parodied in yeah. many a film. I guess so. maybe I haven't seen it. No. That's yes, okay. They're not fun. missing anything. No, yeah. Babe. Babe is great. Okay. okay. I watched it as a kid. We're getting off topic here, guys. Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> can we can we talk about flaming guitars? Because that was fucking incredible. That guy was the cult hero of this film. There is a double neck guitar flame throwing guitar player who leads this crazy band from hell that plays throughout the entirety of the movie. Who's like, a blind mutant and is wearing a red onesie, by the way. And is also ah. trapped into his position because he's tied up like a marionette with all of his limbs tied to these ropes that move without his control. Better than everybody else in that world. That guy though. was the most interesting character in the entire film for he's me. Got, he's got yeah, job security. Yeah, that's not much. Well, yeah. it's not, but there all, this is also really isn't necessarily a character-driven film in terms of how much enjoyment you're going to... It's like the whole experience adds all together. And that was the most interesting part for me because whenever that guy was on screen, which was probably only for about six minutes, but you couldn't do too much of it, over the little times he showed up, he was so goddamn committed to playing that guitar. Like, there was chaos happening around him. His fucking face was getting ripped off. He was still playing that fucking guitar no matter what. He had one job only, and he fucking (laughs) fucking nailed that job. (laughs) Okay, I don't care who I'm working for. I'm doing this job. Him and his drummers he had behind him. Yeah. So to 
Scott, you were the other one who was definitely really into seeing this movie and it has seen some of the earlier Mad Max films. How did you think this stacked up and uh, what did you overall think of this film? Well, first off, I've only seen like the first two Mad Max films. Well, so it's there, Mad, there's Mad, only three. I know, so. Mad Max and, and The Road Warrior. Don't I, sell yourself short, buddy. And I think <laughs> that The Road Warrior is a is a classic. I think you that, haven't seen Thunderdome? I haven't seen Thunderdome. Oh, I, I just heard... I just didn't hear good things about Thunderdome. I just skirted away from it. So, um, the Road Warrior was pretty much, in my opinion, the the Dark Knight of its time. That it took the initial formula of Mad Max of of the original film and just completely catapulted it into something that's much more iconic. Like I see more people quoting the Road Warrior, and I don't see that many people quoting the Road Warrior, but I see them quoting that more than like the original Mad Max. And I think that this film. Like Fury Road is pretty much it, it delivers on everything that I could want out of a post-apocalyptic film. Aside from being a Mad Max film, I don't know what happened there, guys. No, I'm I'm Struggle only uh, giggling because <clears throat> I just want to point out to the listeners that the face that Toussaint made when he was trying to get through that word was just delightful. Oh, great. <laughs> This, I couldn't see it, so whatever. Now, <laughs> after watching this, do you want to go back and watch the other ones again? And, Absolutely. And see Thunderdome? Yeah, I actually do. Because um, I haven't seen them in forever, and I want to go back and order I, I, I have the when, when I went into this film, I was wondering, is this going to be like a direct sequel to like the original Mad Max trilogy? Because I don't know how I feel about that. I want this to be its own thing. And I think that this could very easily stand on its own, that you don't have to see the previous Mad Max films, but... You'd be doing a great disservice to yourself, in my opinion, if you at least don't see The Road Warrior. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, are you saying that just because The Road Warrior is that good of a film or because it had some sort of bearing on the outcome of the events in this film? No, The Road Warrior is that good of a film. Okay, okay. but it didn't actually have any relation to this universe at all. Well, the no. only thing that was related was the like they were going to Fuel City? Like, they're, they're going they were to driving Fuel Town. And fuel the, Town. The fuel Bullet Farm. Right, because in okay. the original trilogy, like they're the world is sh- short of fuel. Like that's what they're after the whole time. And mm-hmm. so that's really the only kind of throwback that ties it to and, that. Not and to that, mention, I'm sure the, uh, at the beginning when you see the flashbacks of his past life, yeah, uh, yeah. Of his... and he literally said, I, I used to be a cop. And mm-hmm. it was, it was like, uh, it reminds me of uh, Buffy, the vampire slayer in the first three seasons when Giles yeah. in the beginning of every episode would literally just lay out the mission statement. There is a slayer. The, yes. Yeah. I like how everything somehow relates back to Buffy for you because Buffy hey, is awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at um, least he's gotten off of the Starship Trooper thing. <laughs> hey, we can get back there. Yeah, I'll get back on there. Don't, don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah. He'll he'll take the challenge up. There's no, no doubt such about thing it. as a dead. No, I know. <laughs> but God I, damn it. Um, the, the, the question I had is: This film, I know it doesn't really relate, but from the trailers I've seen from the original three Mad Max. It seems like things are way worse in Fury Road in terms of the world is in a much worse place. Is that inaccurate? Well, it's, it's not so much that the world is in a go, – going back to my, my previous point in that this film, I think it's better for this, – this, this film, like just, just, just straight, straight on for a second, like this film feels impossible. It, it shouldn't work like this. Like a film in development hell for over three decades with the original director coming back – to do it, it's it should like, have been like X Men Origins. Wolverine. It should have been Prometheus, okay? <laughs> but instead, it was it was Mad Max Fury Road. I'm just like I my my faith in cinema is, is reinvigorated for this, which is too bad because I like Prometheus more than this movie. <laughs> oh, you asshole! Anyway, oh, snap. Um, I, I think what they did with this was they they took 
Max's world and they made him more mad. He was more insane than he was in the original. See, that's what I don't get because I haven't, as someone who's never seen the original, uh, the, the original trilogy, I don't understand why this is called Mad Max because I haven't seen the original. So I've never seen him quote unquote before, uh, you know, this iteration of Max. Uh, and therefore when I was watching this movie, I thought he was one of the most famous characters in the film. Like the only person I would consider mad was like the guy in the mask and probably the guy with the guitar because he seemed like he was just in his own world. But I don't understand why anybody would consider somebody mad or insane. If they're literally just trying to survive. there, There were a couple uh, flashbacks throughout the film that show him in his earlier life that leads you to believe that I don't. I, I'm kind of with you what right. you're saying, I'm just saying like, but I'm more stoic, not mad. You don't start talking to like personalities that are in your in your head that are constructed from like your dead daughter and family if you're not a little bit okay, crazy. But you, there, but there, there was, was not there that much that much of that. Yeah. The, the point of of Mad Max is that you'd have to be a little bit mad in order to like live and survive and thrive in a world as fucking right but then it it all becomes relative which means that you're not actually that insane like i guess the whole whole idea of mad max i've always felt like you're in his world and everything's as crazy as it is just because it's mad max do you not think that mad max's world is is the most crazy insane fucked up place possible yeah this movie's I would like, say yes and no, and the reason why I'm saying that, and I'm saying yes with a caveat, which is that, yes, like, the world that he inhabits is a crazy or whatever, but it doesn't lead me to, like, literally, I don't know, like, to make this jump that the world's gone insane, because if the world itself has depleted its resources, then I would say that their actions become more understandable, because it's not like somebody created this world. It's, you know, like, like, take the villain of this whatever. It's not like he somehow annihilated this. Who killed the world? Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. They're all looking for this answer of, like, where it went wrong, and therefore everybody's reactions, I would just say, but presuppose that becomes understandable, and I don't know, it just... It, for someone who hadn't seen, I'll say that much, who hadn't seen the original trilogy, I really thought, quote-unquote, Mad Max would be a little more mad. And, and instead, he kind of wow. just walked around like a, a Christian Bale Bruce Wayne and just kind of soured around. Going back to the the point of, of comparison between Fury Road and the previous Mad Max films as to the actual world, it's like, just jumping off my, my, my prior point is that I think that this is a more fully realized rendition of Mad Max's world as okay. opposed to say like the original Mad Max which I really wasn't down with that that picture of what Mad Max's world is supposed to look like because it takes place in Australia. Okay. It's supposed to be a post-apocalyptic Australia and yet in the original Mad Max there are grass fields. It's very verdine. It's very sparse. Like there are still buildings around. It just doesn't feel like an actual post-apocalypse like this is a post-apocalypse and i I just want to make clear that what i've been saying about this specific point about me not understanding i would say the connection between this you know frivolous title and Mm -hmm. the world is not a flaw i would say against the film i'm just saying i didn't have the context uh of the original three films to go along with the mentality that he would be you know insane or mad that's all i felt like mad max the mad max played by tom hardy and not that he had the same character traits as this character, but I'm going to bring up, seemed to remind me more of a character like Jack Sparrow than of a crazy, deranged character. Mm. Where it seems like in real-world situations where he's interacting with people, he's a pretty normal person, but when he's off on his own, weird shit happens because he's in his own head all the time. Like when he has to march off... um, When 
when the rig gets stuck in the mud and he has to march off and fight off yeah. the, the bullet farmer and his fucking armada. And then you see an explosion. He comes back. The most badass scene is that he he has blood on his uh, on his forehead, and he's like, "Are you bleeding?" It's like that's not his blood, and then he's got like this bandolier of of grenades and bullets on his shoulder. But then he cleans his face with breast milk, with mother's milk. That's two words I, I put to your your. This world doesn't seem that insane. He doesn't seem that insane. Mother's milk. Yeah, but what's so insane about that in a world of <laughs> depleted resources? Is this a common practice not- for you? No, because we also don't live in that world. That's what I'm trying to say, though. It's kind of, I'm just saying, these choices, it's not like he's literally, he opened up a fridge and there was a a jar marked breast milk and a jar marked clean, clear water. And he was like, oh, I think I'll take some of this. Well, and and I'll I'll go back to a line that actually happens in uh, the film Inglorious Bastards, which gets its second mention on this episode. Christoph Waltz has a line early in the film about talking about humans you know, capability of adapting to almost any situation if they are forced to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what this Mad Max film does so great that it does show this really crazy world, but all these people living in it and either living at different parts of this weird monarch society where there is this king that rules everything who has become a dictator almost over everything that happens in this society. And you have the, the, the smaller people pretty much adapting to and you even have there's even like a line about how people need to um evolve to live without needing water which is something that honestly that doesn't make any fucking sense like well, he, but if, just, if you really think about it people probably if it went over that long period of a time could eventually need less water than they do need now yeah but uh, it, this film is just very interesting to me in terms of how it presents the post-apocalyptic world. We see in almost every post-apocalyptic film. See, it's not that easy, is it? <laughs> to say that word. Yeah. yeah Why don't we just say post-apoc? Oh, that's fine. That's a cool way. You should like put that uh, like uh, be in the dictionary or something. All right. The film tank dictionary starts now, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll revise it to add the magical letdown. Yeah, and Kenny's uh, anticipation, which is uh, anticip- a, a wow. Great. You and know what? We've made a lot of words. We have. And yeah. Babadook. <laughs> and Babadook. That's right. And a chappy. <laughs> Anyways, this now we're just saying random film. I titles. know. We're just we're having the brick moment. Chair, <laughs> lamp, carpet. I love lamp. Um. This film, there, there's no alien. There's no Terminator. We're fighting against the robots. There's no zombies. You know, this is a post-apocalypse. Damn, a post-apoc yeah, world. Post-apoc. There you go. Post-apoc world <laughs> where honestly, the worst part has happened. Whoever created this is now, for the most part, gone, and people are fighting to find their place. And it's just a very interesting portrayal in this film, which does so little for its story but I feel like tells a lot more of a story than I originally thought it was telling. When I watched the film, I've thought about it now for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what are, what, what are your more, more thoughts on this film, I guess? is you, You've said a couple of things, but you haven't really given your overall perspective on what you really thought about this film. Well, <laughs> I'm a little torn here because, uh, you know, it's been a few days since we've seen it now, and I feel like I've pretty much settled into my firm opinion, which is that this is a a decent film and it pains me to say that uh but it it stops short of being a good or even a great one and the reason for that is that there are moments in this film that i i think i've said to you guys that made me 
glad to be alive and like just reminding me what cinema could do and most of that was uh centered around some of the action scenes which are just yes some of them are glorious and whatnot but i don't know i this this movie is like an adrenaline rush with no forward momentum because i don't know i was just not at all invested in the world building that this movie was doing outside of the first 10 minutes that every time the action did stop i i was bored and that's because I don't know that any character got enough uh, nuance or... And I'm not saying I needed this film to have some kind of like poetic writing or anything like that. But it didn't do anything in my eyes that made me care about them more than I would care about any other action movie or anything like that. And then the other problem for me was that I also thought, and this is going to be blasphemous, but I'm going to say it, that some of the action scenes just started to feel monotonous. And I, I want to trace that back to the fact that Visually, it it is a good-looking film, but we are in the same exact location for for the entire film. So there's really not that much you can do other than drive a car up to the side of the other car and have people jump from car to car or uh, into the sand, into the desert. And there was no real—I want to compare it to another action film, which uses a lot of practical stunts, which is uh, the Raid movies. And there was—I mean, when I watched that, especially the Raid 2, when I watched that movie, I— there is a great car chase in that film. I was literally watching that going, how did they do this? How did they get a camera right there? And- to swoop through the actual like driver's side yeah. into the back side. And, then, and, and you actually see like a gif of how they did it. It's yes, pretty funny. And even watching that gif, I was like blown away because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. Right. And so for a movie that's completely uh, almost always using practical stunts and – framed by a, a, a live or die car chase. I, I was just kind of surprised that I never got a moment where I was like so blown away that I was questioning what I was even seeing. Even the final the final chase scene, you didn't the really final, that? The, I would say this. The, the final chase scene was the best part of the film as far as that was the peak of the action, which is always a good thing for a film to end because that's some of the worst parts about some action films is where like they, they for some reason like kind of blow their wad in the middle and uh and they it, they never quite match something so i agree with the last 30 minutes is the best of it however nothing we saw in the last 30 minutes was varied enough that made me think of how different it was from what it came before i felt like it was just a better version of what came before not a spectacular version well, real quick because two wants to make a point but quite literally the the plot of this movie was very basic whereas they started at point a went to point b and came back to point a like there wasn't much more to To, do than well that's the thing though is that i if and i agree with as far as that that is the basic gist of the plot however this film is trying to tell a story and we can't denied that because the Furiosa's character has an arc whether it you know when it comes to her looking for kind of the the, the green land. place yeah the green place which of course is really just a stand-in for hope and all that mm-hmm. jazz but all that jazz well, they love jazz in the post-apocalypse that's right dude uh, if they would have called... stopped at a bar like uh the bar from uh the first star wars that would have been awesome do, 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 yeah. do, do. <laughs> i guess for me it's just that every time that this movie made a pit stop that's when i wanted to get off because I already knew where the story was heading, so therefore I don't need to see characters talk about where the story is heading. Mm. Other than in the very beginning, when uh, the first ten minutes are happening, that was a great way where we were really introduced to this world, what these characters' motivations are, without Max going around and saying, oh man, I used to have a wife and a kid, and now I'm just so sad and so mad that they're dead. And Because he got the like two-minute narration, but then outside of that, he doesn't really talk about it at all, which was great. And I wish... He doesn't really talk in the entire movie. Right, and I just wish that's kind of whatever 
everybody did because I don't understand why these characters were talking to begin with. They don't really know each other that much. And so, therefore, every time they stopped and they were like, they had to explain, you know, the green place and all that. Like, I could already get the fact that there used to be a better place than this. And not only that, but that that's what you would be searching for in this situation. So, the fact that Furiosa's, which I agree, her storyline is. Uh, subversive in a feminist way that we don't normally get from these kind of movies and I appreciate that. It shouldn't be subversive. It's just she's she's a strong female protagonist that actually happens to pick up some of the slack where right. like Max doesn't measure up sometimes. Right, but you you're saying it shouldn't be subversive, but it is in this day and age because a lot of films don't do that. So yeah. that's all I meant by that. And for me, just because, because that's what a lot of people are coming away from this movie with, is that it was so subversively feminist. And, and I'm happy about that because I want there to be more films like this in that respect. I want it, like you just pointed mm-hmm. out, I want it to become commonplace. It shouldn't whatnot. be exceptional for that, right. but it, it does it. But well, that's the thing. Yeah. It is not exceptional at the end of the day for me because mm-hmm. just just because you become... Uh, you, you know, you do something subversive did not mean you did something of value. And for me, I, I appreciated that, but I also didn't actually care about her character because the film never once really made me connect with it. And so therefore, I thought what this film did best, even if I have criticism against it, was the action. It really should have just been a 90-minute thrill ride rather than a two-hour one. And I'm just saying... I mean, I, are you looking for no story at all, though? I, I mean, Well, there, the thing is, there still be a story told. I mean, you just said the story was the drive from point A to point B to point A. So you're telling me that we couldn't have got that out of 90 minutes? Whoa. See, I, I kind of disagree, though, with you about that there was really no reason for all of the sort of dialogue. I didn't say film. there was no reason. I said it didn't ever transcend to a level of quality that made it worthwhile. See, I disagree with that, though, okay. because I will say that in terms of the whole storyline of selling hope to people, it's such an important thing to humanity, which I firmly believe that without a hope for whether it be a number of things, like whether you have hope for being excited for going on a vacation in two weeks or for... Hope to go see Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, so you look forward to things and look forward to things in your life that are not necessarily better but are going to be fun and enjoyable and without having that, you would have no reason to go on. Oh, and I agree. And I think... But but I think uh, the problem is if you just go on the, the baseline of... You know, we we don't need any dialogue. I think there are pivotal moments towards the late or later part of the film where they're finding the bag of magic beans, <laughs> which which is a very important part of the story for me at least. Uh, and the the females who are left, which is also an interesting statement that only females are left from this world, and they don't trust men at all whatsoever. Uh, and also that there recently was this place that had green and is now gone, and they are hoping for a better future. I think it's very important to the story, which I, I almost think that it's a more... But why is saying it out loud? I mean, did you not expect that there would be, like, that they, these characters were searching for hope? Well, you, you... I, I did, but I, I, I just in... don't see the dialogue yeah. as in-depth as you It's not the dialogue. Do, it's in, in a very... Exactly. It's not in-depth. And that's what I mean, is we're spending time on dialogue that adds nothing but, but, to but the see, story. I, I, I think it does, but I, like, well, I'll say there I'll wasn't say... as much dialogue as you made it seem like there was. I'll say this um, uh, in defense of Furiosa. I know that you didn't really like her character arc. I actually very much enjoyed her character arc, and the, besides the fact that I think that Charlize <laughs> Theron looks hot in that role. Of course but, you do. But you like you're, bald you're, women. <laughs> I, I like lots of things. Anyway, um, to Nick's defense, there are a lot of there, there are a lot of peaks in this movie for me that I can think of. But there's 
it, it's hard for me to articulate them because, like you said, it's like it all kind of like blurs into like one mesh. Like I can I can distinctly remember the chase where Mad Mad Max Max is the 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 blood bag for Nux as they are chasing after Fiora Rosa when she like finally goes AWOL. I can Nux is the player played the player the character. Or players. Player one, go. They actually, they actually like being called players, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, uh, the character played by Nicholas Holt, who mm-hmm. uh, you would probably remember her most from playing uh, the character Beast in the two new X Men films. I can remember the uh, the chase after um, after the, the 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 massive fire snow like like sandstorm and leading up to the the motorcyclists like like destroying the pathway for. And Morton Joe and his brew to just like come after uh, Max and Fiorosa, but it's hard for me to talk about one stunt in particular. It all just kind of like collapses over itself. So yeah, well, I guess my question is in a script that was already it's already pretty bare bones and cut down to basics. Like I, I, I guess I don't understand what like I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask for no, specifics, but like what out of it felt unnecessary because I, I mean. I guess I would point towards like just it's not that okay. I guess really unnecessary is the wrong word. I don't. I don't like. I don't think we mean to keep harping on the dialogue thing, but there already wasn't a lot of dialogue as it is. Right. I guess maybe that's why it stood out to me because if there, I don't know, but if there's not as much dialogue in an, in this film as in other films, it means that every line has to count, and therefore the fact that I'm just hearing something that I I, I already expect from a cliched action movie. What Nick is getting at is that he says that. Well, at least this is what I'm interpreting. Yeah, yeah, like, no, you, you, like, like, please, just, yeah, let me know. Um, is that the information that is conveyed through dialogue? What what little there is could have easily easily been conveyed either visually through flashbacks analogous to like Mad Max's own like flashes and spurts like that. Like, I wouldn't like to actually see that was the like, other thing. Like a like a minor flash of what the green place might have looked like in. In Fiorosa recollecting that memory too mad. Yes, yeah, you're literally touching on something I failed to bring up until now. So thank you, Tucson. Yeah. But the like I think I said earlier about the first ten minutes being my favorite part, not my favorite section of the film, but one of my favorites. Part of the reason is I love the way it did convey Mad Max's backstory, which is we see these like nightmarish hallucinations. Because and that was the only time where I thought, oh yeah, he's really mad. And all of a sudden they just kind of drop it for the most. I mean, they sprinkle it once or twice, but that mm. was like when it was at its peak. Um, but I don't understand why the other characters didn't get that treatment and they had to kind of uh, spout off their personal philosophies and what they were searching for. I knew from the first 10 minutes what was tormenting Mad Max and what was keeping him going. And so I don't understand why we couldn't have done something much more uh, j- just like that, economical in storytelling for the other characters. I don't know why it had to make its other characters uh, just go through the ropes and go through the motions. Can I say another thing about this world that this uh-huh. film creates is that one thing, another reason why I really liked the opening 10 minutes was that I felt like that's also when he was at his most craziest. Like, you literally, the film opens with him biting the head off of a lizard. And then after a two-headed he, lizard. A two-headed lizard, yes. And after he's captured, he's running through the prison, you know, place. And that's when his hallucinations are happening. And I was loving see, and I think that's a, I think 
that comes back to the fact that he was in this central capital, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that, that was the effect on him was living in this world. And so I, that's why I'm almost got a little bored by this world once he left the capital because it didn't seem like he ha- had much of an effect on him when he was just out on the normal car chase. This world ceased to be mad and just ceased and just turned into like a Tim Burton uh, vehicle. Thing. Are you like, talking about the stilt walkers in the in the fucking like mud place? That was part of it, but like it, it's just this weird complacent. It, the movie itself, and I, I include the the universe that it creates, is stuck in this world, uh, this weird place between bizarro and complacency where. Like just having a guy play the guitar on a truck is not that cool when it's the only thing that's really that unique about that, you know, convoy. Like if they had other things, like somebody was having like like I don't know, somebody was sunbathing on another car. Someone like, was and, juggling the entire time. Or well, that's what shit I mean. Like it head. was an actual yeah. quote unquote circus or like in a three ring, you know, show that you could like look over. But God, like, I would go to that fucking circus. Just, <laughs> yeah, but it, it would. But it just stopped short of being something of a spectacle. So I, can I, we? Can I, we? I vehemently disagree. I was gonna say this can, fucking whole movie was a spectacle. Can, can we? Can we? Well, no, I'm not talking. Okay. Well, no. I, don't. I was just gonna say, can we back up just a little bit because we've gotten way involved with like theory of this yeah, film. I was, and, and I, I just want to say how awesome it is when Charlize Theron's cyborg arm pulls off a Morticon Joe's face. Thank you. That shit's for awesome. A Morticon Joe back on track. I was just <laughs> gonna say. I'm sorry. This is starting to make my head hurt. How deep into this we're going, yeah. and it's the same argument that I made back when we talked about the trailers when they came out. Like this is not supposed to be thought that hard about. Like this well, is then that's just an okay. absolute fucking sit down with some popcorn and watch the spectacle that is this movie. Like there's there it wasn't supposed to be that in depth. I, like I will it, say I, th- I think it is and it isn't because I think you could watch this film and have a lot of fun with it. I would agree with you. Turning your brain off, but at the same time, I feel like there is substance to this that no, more, I, more I, than I feel like you guys are AI. wanting more substance out of it than there was. Like there wasn't that much substance. Well, there's the claim of not only the the people who are involved in the production of the film, but also people who are claiming this film as critics, saying that there is more yeah, to this th- film there are, than what is you, on the surface. If you read the internet, there are literally hundreds of think piece, pieces uh, written out in the in the wake <laughs> of it. Read the fucking internet. That's the problem with this movie now. <laughs> like it just it's so being the movie too, does have problems. It's being too overanalyzed, is what. It it is like I, I, I see. Where it's you, making where you're my fucking from. head hurt yeah. just talking this like in depth about being able it. to it, enjoy the movie on itself a, in its face. But, okay, but I just I don't want to harp on this too much. But there's a difference to me uh, from a film like the Fast and the Furious franchise and the Mad Max franchise, where one is clearly aiming for what I would call art. Which I believe is the Mad Max franchise, and yet where the other is clearly aiming to simply be lowbrow B movie entertainment, not necessarily art, but more of well, that's what I mean, though. um, Like highbrow destruction is that such a thing? Well, I I feel like there are a lot of action scenes in this film that anybody could walk into the theater and think were awesome, and I think you could watch the entire film and honestly not have a huge criticism about the storyline because it's just totally fine. And, but also not really care too much about a lot of the in-depth themes and stories that are happening in this film, which I agree with there. There is a lot more than meets the eye in this film. However, with what Kenny is saying, I do agree with that because I feel like this is a fun popcorn film. If you just want to sit in the theater for two hours and be entertained, you're going to be. Okay, so then to that point, just so that I can make sure that I articulate, if I'm looking at it through that lens, mm-hmm. it also failed almost 
at that level for me too because the action kept getting interrupted by the story. That's all. I mean, that's that's where well, it comes from. And but. since you're saying, Kenny, to go back to you, you're saying that we're we're not ruining your perspective of this film, but we're we're bringing down your your mojo a little no, bit. No, no, no. Do, do, do you did you get that feeling at all watching this film that, no. that the story was bogging down no, the action? No, not one time. I mean, and, and I. I really and I find it interesting listening to, to to what you're saying because honestly like I've heard I've I've, I've not heard this from anybody else. Yeah, like, no, I'm definitely in the minority opinion when it comes Which to I'm this. not saying you're wrong, but, but about, about I, his opinion of the film no, or about about, the, about, it, about but, it bogging down and and hitting any slow okay. points or or any kind of, you know, hiccups in the storyline or anything like that. Like it it it's it's a it's a visual twisted disturbing at times just crazy off the wall movie and that's ex- like that's what it was trying to do and that's what it did i mean you, you have to have some kind of substance to it it has to tell some kind of storyline otherwise a, what's what's the point of making the movie it but, doesn't make light of itself i think it's a it's a very different universe when you're comparing like like furious 7 to to this is like Furious 7 is more self-referential and tongue-in-cheek, whereas this, like you were talking about, with not so much art, but right. highbrow destruction. And I don't even necessarily compare them to, in the sense that like, I don't want to like obviously start drawing lines and see what this film did better than this in any aspect or anything Who like that. Who blew up cars better? I only bring those two up because they obviously have similar, uh, not themes, but uh, similar action set pieces when it comes to cars blowing up. Vehicular destruction. Yeah. Yes, and because of that, I that's just me giving an example so you can understand where I'm coming from. Is when I accept a movie as a popcorn entertainment, I don't care about the uh, the hidden depths in the Furious franchise and when I do, uh, as far as when I I believe when I sat down in that theater, I saw a film trying to sell me on something that I wasn't going to buy. However, I, I will say this, um, 80% of this film is car chases. Where, where... See, I think it's less than that. I think the movie does a great job. No. And so, well, <laughs> Okay. No. <laughs> what, okay. what percentage would you say it is? I'm just well, here's, here's – okay, and I don't want to get too technical, but are we defining the car chase on screen as when they are literally – Hightailing it with the with the other the shall we say the villains I wouldn't say behind them or would, it's not only when that convoy is following them but when there is let's put it this way when there is action and uh, I'll, I'll put it another way when there is that great score playing in the background play, kind of playing up to get you more excited it's at least seventy percent of the film okay so here's what I'll say to that we can look at this film two ways really quick mm-hmm. there's there, there's in the one sense this is like a ninety percent movie when it comes to like when a car chase is present and when there isn't because literally from the time they leave the citadel uh, they are being chased by okay so if we're looking at it through that lens or lens uh, story wise it's like ninety percent of this film is framed by a car but chase. I'm talking about actual okay. like chasing so action if we scenes. if we look at action scenes of when these cars are actually like you know like oh full speed ahead there they are and let's do vehicular warfare and that kind of thing no i'm thinking it's like more like 33 percent and not only that but um vox the website did an infographic on uh the car chase uh present on screen compared to the other mad max film and this was the highest one but it was still stuck at 33 percent. so somebody actually already did this science for you and i'm not saying that's even accurate but i do think it's way less than you guys believe it to be because if you actually take out the scenes of uh 
and only take out the scenes in which cars are, yes, driving up against each other, it's tumbling off. It's the spectacle off. of those car chases that you're saying that it makes it seem longer than it actually is. Yes, because there is way more scenes of just them at the Citadel in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. them uh, get, performing self-abortions, uh, them uh, just doing the sna- – what? There, there's the abortion scene and the, the one – not self-abortion, but the, the – I was going to say – when, when he took it out of the, the dead wife and, yeah, yeah, and then – Erectus um, Rictus or Rictus Erectus was just like I had a baby brother yes. and he was perfect in every way. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying there there is more scenes of them talking, uh, not maybe not talking, but of them uh, simply existing and standing around. Uh, if you were to actually add up the running time, well, okay. Of the if you want to like get mathematical about it, like I still I'm failing to understand where any of the lulls were in this movie. Like, right, but well, that's there, because you like the film, and therefore those scenes right, worked no, 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 for but you. But I'm just saying, like, just because there's not a, a chase scene or some kind of explosion happening, like the intensity never the, backed down. The only time in the entire film where I felt bored was the first 15 minute valley that we had between the first chase scene that involved the tornado and the fire but how do you even call that boredom like they were well they they literally were just driving it was almost like a lord of the rings moment where they were driving and they're roaming towards their next moment and that was the only time in the film when i felt man this is kind of first first valley what are you what are you describing are you describing when max actually like escapes nux and then comes across the wives and they're bathing or something i'm saying after that scene when they're having the great uh and i'll even Praise the movie really yeah. quick, but the great uh, fist fight between um, uh, Furiosa and mm-hmm. Max. And Directly after that scene, there's a 12 yes. to 15 minute scene where there is a lot of there is a lot of dialogue in that scene, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of nothing else happening other than just sitting in this truck and kind of almost giving explanation explanation of what the plot of the film before is. they get right. to the motorcyclist checkpoint. Yes. yes. Okay. That was the only time in the film where I felt bored. Huh. Which is so, and I can understand why somebody else would watch this and like it. All I can say is that during those scenes, they it just didn't captivate me in a way that was making me glad that I was sitting through them. Now, when the action came back, I was I would say it, it did its job in the sense that I got distracted and I would forget about those scenes. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I had the biorhythm of going up and down, up and down with my interest in it because I just c- could not connect with the story and the fact that they were spending. I want to say more time than you guys think they were on it. I it just that's what started to lose me. Okay. Not not distracting from your point, but we've dedicated a lot of time to this. I want to talk yep. about the little details about this film that I really enjoyed. Can we talk about her ripping the guy's face off and how awesome that was? Yes, we'll get to that. Ah, I mean, is there more that? to say about it? No, it was, it was just great. No, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just want everyone to acknowledge how awesome that That's scene was. That's how the bad guy dies, and, and it's fucking raw. Hey, you know what? And thank God, because so many fucking movies these days let a bad guy continue on for to end the film and go on to future things. Mm-hmm. Just making a decision and killing the villain in this movie, I was totally for it. it I, I really enjoyed when Immortan Joe like stopped with his convoy, and basically there was like the... Uh, the accountant who was going through all the things that they lost on this on this on this, See, now on, you're, this on this trip. You always reminded me of the war flashbacks of things that must have bored me because I don't even remember that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that where you're talking about all the things that they lost just to get these wives back, and then the the bullet farmer, like before he goes off and before he gets blinded and everything, he actually like reaches into his mouth and takes out a filling, which is a bullet, and then loads it into his <laughs> revolver. I thought that was so fucking badass. And then when he got blinded and he took out these two like MP5s, it was just like firing them blindly in front of him. 
I thought it was so fucking cool. See, I, I feel like this ah. movie was so <laughs> so high octane and so visually appealing, and it had so many payoffs at so many points that I guess that's what's blowing my mind over the fact that you could even, in a relative way, say you were bored at any point. Like, like just because there was one, oh, come on. like that, there was a slight low point. But what I'm saying is, everything else in the movie was at such a high level, though. To say that you were bored, it, it didn't match up with that level. Okay, but well, you're looking you were, at Alex, and I was more bored than he was. So. I, well, I'm saying <laughs> well, there was definitely the one scene where okay, I, I, I will, so there's I'll one fight scene you. out yes, of two but, hours, but. but uh, how how could to you say that you how got could... to the point of boredom though? Like, yes. are you kidding? Because me? they like... were it, it was like the fucking Lord of the Rings when they're walking for forty minutes. You're like, can we get I'm something here? Glad you brought that up because actually that is the best comparison I can make to feel just how I felt when there wasn't action because I just never did get into the story. Damn, I'm just saying Lord of the so, Rings levels of, of, of yeah, boredom. Like I was like waiting for a tree to walk right behind them to another. <laughs> like, oh, there's the green place. Where would the tree come from, Nick? But, it's uh, a fucking desert. Ooh. The criticism is. Valid. To yep, to defend true. what I'm saying, Kenny, is is that I felt like I was way on board with all the action and all the storyline because I yeah. actually was probably out of everybody the one who enjoyed the story and thought it was actually really good the most. However, there was that one scene that was scene I'm referring to early in the film where it got to like the eight minute mark of that scene where I was like, you know what? I was told there were going to be car chases in this I, film, and I, I, like I, said, I, I guess I can, I can see what you're saying. I, I think was, I was told boredom is the chases. wrong term. I think I think I think boredom is the wrong way to put it. <laughs> well, like, you, you're know. talking about a personal feeling, <laughs> so unfortunately, for, for, only for Alex someone, can be an authority figure. For, for, I, I guess for <laughs> someone who judges <laughs> boredom in films by looking at your watch, I looked at my watch. So no way. Yeah. What? <laughs> that was a really boring. You own a watch? <laughs> no, I, I I was just surprised that you actually like looked at your watch. Like my my eyes were just like glued to the screen yeah, the entire time. I, I looked at my watch um, six times during Jupiter Ascending. So just to to give you clarity, it wasn't that bad. That I, movie that movie was horrible, by the I way. Just, I, I I just love the. I gave them the same rating. I'm I'm so. <laughs> um, I'm so I'm so juvenile in my gestures. I just like the whole shoot bang, and I like the explosions, and hey, I like the there's I like, there's nothing I like wrong the part. With that. Thank God Matt, your gestures translate we're, we're, on podcast. I was gonna say nobody understands what you're talking yeah, about. Nobody right knows now. what the I'm fuck doing, you're doing. I'm doing like a kid being like pachoo, 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 and it's like Mad Max just like going up on that pole and just like seeing all the explosions. I was like, yeah. Let's uh let's get to final thoughts and ratings because we've had some very interesting crosstalk and banner here. But I want everyone to have their chance to give their last feelings and rating on this film just to give one more personal and where no one can really interrupt and they can say what they really felt about this film and put their final verdict out there. So we'll start with Kenny. Uh, well, I, after, after going a couple days now without seeing it, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of right where I was after I saw it in the sense that I still would like to see it again before mm-hmm. I go praising it for being a perfect movie in my eyes. Cause I mean, it's not perfect, but as far as like entertainment value, and and many other things, you know, visually and sound effects wise. Just like for me, it it hit on all sorts of scales. But um, oh, fuck, I, I'm still getting hung up on the whole boredom thing. Like, I'm just seeing what <laughs> you liked about fuck. it. Well, I I liked everything, every fucking thing about it. I loved everything, and it just it, it was at such a high level visually, and as far as just what was going on in the movie, that I just to I don't know, like. If it had one or two lulls in it, like I, I can it, live it with that. I can, your, I can fucking live with that. With it, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give it a four and a half until I see it again. But 
I mean, I'm. I, You're I'm, reserving the right to I'm, move that up to a five. Right. Absolutely. I, I'm just not. I'm trying to because I, I still feel like it's it's still pretty early on after seeing it. I know it's been a couple of days, but like I'm I'm still riding a high from this fucking movie. So I, on that alone, I should be giving it a five out of five. But um, yeah, I, that's about all I can say. Very good. I I love this film. I'll go to bat for this film. It's like I I, I totally understand a lot of Nick's criticisms, even though they. They don't really like chime with me. Is like I can totally see where he's coming from in his argument that um, this movie was just so wonderfully weird and so well thought out in the elements that they actually decided to bring on screen. Like I just enjoyed. I can't remember the name of this character, but it's like one of Immortan Joe's like relatives or something, where he's just like the little mutant who's like in in the in the hover chair like back at the Citadel. And it was just like I I I don't see things like that. Well, he and, remind me of the. What's the name for the Venture Brothers? Oh my God! Yes, uh, uh, Jonas Venture Junior. Yes. Yeah, totally. What I love too about that character is that when he sees the convoy returning, and it's just the car with Morton Joe's body dead laying. He just has that look of, oh well, oh, oh shit, they're gonna eat me. Someone's gonna punt me off of here, and I'll right. be dead. So I, I also wanted to to mention before I just get to my final verdict that um. Going going back to the guitarist and for the soundtrack of this film, um, I really enjoyed the the mindfulness of diegetic and non diegetic sound integration. Whereas like there's this there's music that's actually happening in the scene versus music that's not happening in the scene. And I felt like there was a really good blend where whenever he was in proximity to like the action, like to Mad Max and stuff, then that music was was most dominant. His his rock and roll, like he was literally fucking serenading the entire fucking battle um I, and i just enjoyed his war boys on the back just like on those giant drums they really did not give a fuck they were gonna they were gonna make this job happen dude that guy's getting shoehorned into the next movie so oh you know what's coming they got they just did gotta come up with somebody i don't think so i yeah. hope not i, really, I think he, he just got he stuck behind that big rock pile he could uh, not die. look man he if, he could, if he could survive guy. being like growing up as a blind mutant learning to play guitar and then being the head of a war party i think he's gonna be he's got a fucking badass resume um <laughs> he does i was like you know my last warlord he got his face fucked up but i'm <laughs> i'm here I'm, I'm right here man i'm ready to go slipknot let's go um <laughs> but i thought that mad max was a unapologetically high adrenaline high octane uh action film that appealed to a very hyper masculine side but also had a a what i in my mind i thought was a very strong feminist conscience like on like running through the the through line of it it had a it had a storyline that you would not think a film like this would have no and and that like I'm really happy about that, but also just for the fact that this is such a anomaly in in the the span of action films, like really fucking bothers me. And everybody who's making action films right now needs to sit up and fucking pay attention, not just for the the action scenes, but just for the way that like that this could actually be a part of a film. Like I'm 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 I I totally get what you're you're coming from, Nick. That just because a thing is subver- subversive and just because it's in there does not make it exceptional, but other people need to take up the baton and work on integrating these sorts of themes and these sorts of characters and sorts of storylines with prominent female like protagonists better than this. They need to pick up the slack now because if this if this is the bar that we're raising that this is exceptional, then you're right. Then then this is 
this is fucking disgraceful. However, saying that, this is not a film entitled Furioso, and Mad Max is a side character who just shows up. Furioso's Fury! This is a Mad Max film about Furioso, so even though it does... Why wasn't it called Mad Max Furiosa? Whatever. Anyways, even well, I'm just though, saying, like once again, bringing up the title doesn't really have yeah, anything to do with it. This does have a very feminist, even somewhat progressive storyline to it. Mm. It still realizes the that it it cannot be, or I, I won't say realizes, but I feel like it still doesn't. It's still grafted onto a Mad Max film. Yes, yeah. that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's a it's a Mad Max film first, but it's Furiosa's story. And I guess that balancing act didn't work for me. Yeah, okay. that's okay. Um, I'm going to give this. A four and a half out of five. I really enjoyed this film, and yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment for a five until I see it a, a second time. So yeah, go see it in go the see. theater. Yeah, go see yeah. It in the theater. Goddamn theater. I, yeah. I, I don't think <laughs> no there's bootleg. Be a, Do I, it. I don't think there's be another film this year that's going to be more worthy of having to see in the theater. Star Wars. Well, that's a that's a different. <laughs> that's a kind given. Of thing. Are you okay there? Yeah, yeah, seriously. You had like a Bowman there with the table raise. That was I'm something. Sorry, you're Star Wars. I'm excited too. Yeah. Buddy. And he only mentioned Charlie's Theron once. And the, and the, tables, and yeah. the tables raising up over his. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was restraint on my part. Good job. What did you think of her in her bald head anyway? Oh, man. I thought she was so hot. I think she's so hot. She was shot. I, I, thought, I, I, I thought, actually have to I, agree with I thought you. She, yeah, right? High she, five. She, high she, five, right? She was right? so yeah. badass yeah. in this movie. With the, with, the, with the black face mask, I like the. the 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 makeup on the top and I was just like oh man bro yeah. bro yeah. she's so hot right yeah. been on the neck all right let's move out of the <laughs> locker room and back into the studio what um, there's I'm not gonna say too much about this film because I don't know that I could possibly top what I just heard but um, I, I just want to reiterate that this is just my personal opinion but unfortunately when this movie was in my eyes great it was great but it did not keep up a level of consistency that had me glued to my seat and none of its themes or storylines uh i thought worked well in a way that uh benefited each other and i think that's what you guys just mentioned a few moments ago that yeah this was this couldn't be furiosa's film well if it couldn't be then why did it try to be and so therefore i just i i got this mismatched uh tone and uh themes that kind of you know, did not work well with each other. Even when it was uh, possibly on a grandiose uh, level, like uh, selling hope or something like that, that's um, that's a that's not the kind of theme that any action movie should try to hammer home. That's something for sci-fi where you can have your characters actually talk philosophy. I'm just saying for for my personal opinion. Some of the best action films are based. I mean, the entire um, Dark Knight franchise is basically based around that. Yeah, but there's a lot more talking like this is like a, a you know uh obviously we're, we've already been over all of yeah. this but this is really at its core trying to be just a high octane chase so therefore when it tries to sell something that's big as that and not just something very like the, for something like this this kind of movie for what i'm trying to say is it yes it needs a story it needs a theme but in my opinion that kind of theme doesn't work here you have to do something more intimate something more personal like redemption or just something that can just be an intrapersonal journey uh and that way you don't have to – I don't know. It's just, But I, I digress. I'm just kind of going off on a tangent here, and I could go on forever. But unfortunately, it just didn't work for me in the way I wanted it to. I thought the action when it did come on was not uh, as spectacular as I was led to believe. But I want to – well, I, what I want to know is did you like this film? 
I liked it more than I didn't. Okay. And I feel like that's what got misrepresented on this podcast because I tried to back up my ideas without obviously getting into the praise that I would lavish on this. But no, I did not love it. But yes, overall, I do recommend it. And this is better than most studio uh, action films that come out these days. And I'm so glad that somebody gave George Miller the money to make this film. Mm -hmm. It just didn't do a lot for me personally. So therefore, I give it three out of five stars, which is just that kind of bare minimum. Yes, this is a good movie, but it just it fell short of a great one in my eyes. Mm. Very good. Uh, I, although I admit this film's flaws, and I, I don't necessarily agree with all the way with what you're saying, Nick, but I understand what you're saying, and I do think there are parts in this film where it does lull a little bit, especially the one time early on in the film, about 35 to 40 minutes in. I, I really enjoyed my time in the theater watching this film. There were so many unique things about this film that you just don't necessarily see in other films these days especially the field of view that is shown through the camera. I mean, being able to see 40 different characters at the same time and not feel like an overload is, is something that I feel like you just can't really do the, the you know in, in film, and not even necessarily modern film, but you just can't do in film in general. And he pulled it off beautifully, especially, and that's another reason why I would recommend this to be seen on the screen and in IMAX if possible. I pointed out to Kenny one time where the guitar guy and the drummers and the rest of the you know War party. music part of the caravan uh, were driving by on the left-hand corner of the screen, and they are moving towards off-screen. But you, you're, you point that out. You can see that happening there while the main characters are on the other part of the screen. It's just amazing that you're able to see this sort of filmmaking. I feel like it, this was a genuinely unique storyline brought to this film and a genuinely unique world. Like, I feel like almost like when the first star Wars came out, like you're creating something that is totally not, I don't want to say new, but you're creating a unique world that is of its own. Although I do have to point out that because this is a sequel that really cannot be attributed to fury road because that's something that was present. I would assume in the other films, and I, I suppose that's possible. I'm just saying, if if that's a if that's a, something that you see as like praise, now I do think that's probably a more modernized version of that world. But this, you know, you, you wouldn't praise the new Star Wars movie that's coming out for creating the new universe because it just didn't. The universe already existed. That, right. but but you know, I've not seen the original Mad Max film, so mm-hmm. I have nowhere to really base what I'm thinking. I'm just guessing. If I had to guess. That the world created in this film is a lot different from the Mad Max world in the original three films than the Star Wars world is going to be in The Force Awakens. Mad Max is the road warrior, and he is an extension of the world that he lives in. So seeing that character come back, like that's a return to that world, and I like seeing that character. But at the same time, I love the action. I loved all the action scenes and a lot of the you know things that happened in them. I like Nicholas Holt's character. He was actually, I thought, the most interesting character in the entire film. Even though he's just supposed to be this throwaway soldier, he you know doesn't have to have this big grand you know thing to be an interesting character that you don't get too much of, but you get enough of in the film. And I actually did really enjoy the storyline. I thought the idea of selling hope to this film really set up the finale so well of this idea of instead of going further and just driving on into the abyss, we turn around and go back to the only place where we could possibly find hope at. And oh, by the way, you have to go through 
thousand of these cars at the same time, which is just an awesome finale that I was just on my seat wanting to wave a flag around and be like, yeah, this is awesome. What's this, a fucking NASCAR race? Future NASCAR. <laughs> hey, whatever. That, that would not be flags, by the way. That would be hats. Get okay. it right. Okay. They don't wave flags at NASCAR race. So that'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird in the post-apocalypse if there were. We've you talked about that, way that too much NASCAR be... on this, this podcast yeah. over the last few weeks, I, I think. I just can't really imagine. Weird. like That would be so destructive to be waving flags, and then all these cars would just be stopping because they would assume that they'd have to, have to stop. <laughs> Anyways... I, I really dug what this film was doing, and I'm really interested to see this world continuing. I'm assuming it will, but who knows? This film took 30 years to make. And even the production of this film was done three years ago, and it took forever for post-production and getting things ready uh, for this release this year. I, I just really did dig what this film was doing, and I don't think it's a perfect film, but for what this film was trying to do, I loved it. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Uh, not a perfect rating, but I would go see this again, and I'm I'm hoping I'll have a chance to see it in the theater again before it gets uh gets taken out because it is a great theater experience. Thank you guys very much for uh, joining the show as we usually do. Uh, joining the show this week uh, on next week's episode, we'll be discussing the uh, Disney film Tomorrowland, starring George Clooney. Uh, some interesting early reviews on it. Uh, not all of them are positive. But uh, we'll see what we feel about the film. And if you want to uh, hear uh, what we have to think about that, you can find us always on FilmTankShow.com. Or you can find us at iTunes or Stitcher, which you can always rate or review our episodes, which we would obviously like. Um, And also you could email us at FilmTankShow at gmail.com if you uh, have a review on either Mad Max Fury Road or on Tomorrowland. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as well, you could also do that. Uh, you could find us there at Film Tank Show. So from Kenny Marcellus, Toussaint Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diegman, thank you very much for listening to uh, this week's episode, and we will catch up with you next time. 